We're happy to have this episode sponsored by Real Mushrooms. You probably already know about some of the great benefits of adding mushrooms to your diet, like better sleep, greater mental clarity, and a stronger immune system, but not all mushroom products are equal. Real Mushrooms is the real deal. Many mushroom companies harvest the mushroom and the grain it's growing on. Real Mushrooms products contain no grains or starch fillers. They're organic, cultivated naturally, and third-party verified for beta-glucans, the compound that makes them so valuable as a supplement. They even have a science and medical team of doctors who ensure that Real Mushrooms meets the highest standards. What I personally love is how informative their website is. Have questions about what mushroom is right for you? They have a robust blog with articles ranging from women's health to what mushrooms are most beneficial to your pet. Want to boost your immune system? Have better sleep and feel more calm? Grab the link in the show notes and get 25% off of your first order. Curiously enough, acupuncture is not just sticking needles into people. It's part of a coherent and observation-based medicine that experienced practitioners of the art have handed down over the centuries. I'm Michael Max, your host and guide of Everyday Acupuncture. Listen in as we explore how you can apply the principles of this ancient medicine in your everyday life. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. My guest today is Amy Guile. Amy is an acupuncturist in the Tacoma area. And uh, in fact, she's a fairly recent graduate of the Seattle Institute of Oriental Medicine. It's unusual that I have fairly new practitioners on this show, but I'm really excited to have Amy here today because we're going to get into some aspects of sports medicine that she's very interested in. So she did some research when she was in acupuncture school And unlike the usual thing of looking at how acupuncture helps with recovering from sports injuries and such, her research was focused on acupuncture kind of as a performance-enhancing method. I'm not sure if I got that right or not, but she's going to correct me on it. And uh, we're going to get into this really cool research that she did. So, Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Michael. I appreciate you having me here. Yeah, this is going to be fun. I, I'm always so interested to see, you know, what people are coming up with and how they use acupuncture. There's just so many applications of it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the things, one of the really great things about Siome is that we're exposed to all of that. So um, I'm excited. Yeah. So I, I want to start off with first talking a bit about how acupuncture is used more in the helping people recover from injuries, just, you know, your sort of common straight-ahead sports medicine. There's, there's a myriad of ways that you can, you can use um, acupuncture. Uh, one of the really interesting things that we've learned from Dr. Stephen Brown through Americano Yoshido, uh, his book with sports acupuncture is actually the M-Test, um, where you use Pyonex tacks in order to propagate slow but long-term effects um, on performance by, you know, basically stimulating the meridians over time. Uh, so that's, that's pretty cool. We, I was fortunate enough to uh, also sit through an orthopedic acupuncture 
class uh, with Yafim, where we looked at the shoulder joint and all of the different ways that you can help with recovery and decrease pain and all of those kinds of things through acupuncture. Uh, and then, of course, Josh Lerner's uh, stuff that he does with uh, trigger point therapy and Twena and using that to basically help people recover quicker and have really great uh, effects as far as you know recovery and decreased pain. So then there's, of course, all of the uh, herbal applications that can also go along with that uh, herbal ice, for example. It's it's amazing what acupuncture can do in the rehabilitation of sports injuries. Mm -hmm. So when you say sports injuries, are you referring to all sports injuries? Or are there any in particular that seem to really respond well to acupuncture? I think anything that really has an inflammatory response responds well to acupuncture. Um, in particular, your strains and your sprains, your overuse injuries oftentimes will have really good uh, responses to acupuncture. I think those are really the big ones that you see. And so most of it is involved primarily with, with joint issues. Joints and tendons, ligaments, all that right. kind of stuff. Right, yeah. All of the stuff that goes around the joints too, yes. So Your research, though, wasn't so much in looking at how acupuncture helps people recover from sports injuries. But it was looking at really how acupuncture can enhance sports performance. Am I correct about that? You're absolutely correct, yeah. Um, I felt that the research was fairly conclusive as to how acupuncture can positively affect the recovery process. And I was really much more interested to see whether or not it would show a performance enhancing effect because intuitively I was like, well, yeah, of course. I mean, why wouldn't it? But there was no research out there that really kind of grabbed what I wanted to see. You know, it might be helpful. It just occurs to me if we give our listeners a little bit of background into why you're so dang interested in uh, sports injuries and performance and that sort of thing. It's really a focus of yours. What brought you into this aspect of, of treatment? Sure. So I have a, it's going to sound, make me sound extraordinarily old, but I have a 20 plus year uh, background in exercise uh, and sports physiology. So I've worked with athletes from the professional level all the way down to the high school level, uh, even the junior high level, uh, as well as, you know, weekend warriors, anyone who's passionate about basically a sport or an activity, I've probably worked with them in some capacity. Uh, when I was at the University of Utah doing my graduate degree, I was responsible for um, being the graduate assistant in the strength and conditioning program for the divers and the swimmers and the cross-country runners. So I've spent a lot of time with a variety of sports. And yeah, it's just, it's a really interesting focus for me. I like it. Great. So you, you've got all this life experience that you brought up to this point. Now you're adding in the acupuncture. Yeah, I mean, basically that's it. And I love... Even when I was when I was an exercise physiologist, I loved looking at the research and finding out, you know, how performance could be affected by small changes or mm -hmm. big changes. All right. Well, acupuncture is kind of a small change. It's just a tiny little thin needle. And tell us about this research that you did in using 
Can, can, I, can I say this? Acupuncture is a sports-enhancing methodology or sports-enhancing modality. Is that, is, that, is that a fair assessment? It is, actually. That's exactly what I looked at, was, was there a performance-enhancing effect to acupuncture? So could you actually improve performance through the use of a tiny little needle? So yeah, it was. It's, it's a pretty interesting, pretty interesting thought process that goes okay. into it. So it sounds like you found some positive correlations here. I did. Okay. I did. Yeah. Tell us about. Tell us a little bit about this study. What What did you do? What kind of acupuncture was involved, and what did you find out? First off, I used my classmates, who I am so very grateful that they were willing to to go through this, um, which caused a few problems for me from a blinding standpoint for the research, because it's really hard to blind an acupuncture student as to why you're using a particular point. But uh, we overlooked that for the most part. The other thing that I really wanted to look at that I hadn't seen in any of the research was, is there a style of acupuncture that actually elicits a better response than another style? Most of the very limited amount of research that's out there looks at basically either a traditional Chinese style or perhaps a a Japanese style and then a sham acupuncture. And I'm not even going into what my thoughts are, are on sham acupuncture. But nothing comparatively looked at more than one style of acupuncture. So what I did was I sat down with Lisa Taylor Swanson. She's been on the show. Yeah, and she's she's a she's a research junkie. Yes, she is. And so I sat down with her and I, I kind of explained what I wanted. And she and I went back and forth to f- figure out what the best modality was. And what we decided would work the best since I was using such a small group. And 12, while it seems like a lot to me <laughs> as far as trying to corral all these people, is relatively small for a research study. So what I did was I had a control group. I had a acupuncture group that was basically a traditional Chinese medicine style acupuncture. I had a meridian therapy group, which was based on the research of the M-test by Yoshida. And then I had an auricular group. Mm-hmm. So some ears, I'm sure. Yes. Uh-huh. And so, so each participant performed in each of the groups. So they acted as their own control. And it also allowed me to compare across fields. Uh, and, I, and I asked these folks who were clearly not athletes uh, in the traditional sense in that they were primarily acupuncture students at this time, what their level of strength training was. And I chose a, an exercise that's fairly easy to teach and fairly easy, easy to do, which is just a standing dumbbell shoulder press. Uh, so basically got the folks in, got them, uh, determined what their, their relative one RM, which is a relative max. It's basically how much weight you could lift one time, but we don't do it one time. We extrapolate the data out to figure out how, what that number would be. So we figured out what that was. We took 70%, uh, and then they were asked to train to failure. So they were asked to do as many repetitions as they could at 70% of their one RM, and then they would rest. And they would rest for 10 minutes, and then they would receive 
basically the moment the rest started, they would receive a treatment protocol unless they were in the control in which they received nothing. Uh, and then after 10 minutes, they would do it again. And basically the, the goal was to see whether or not there was a change that was elicited. And you would do this for each of the modalities? For each of the modalities, yes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it, it's a total of 48 individual interventions. And then because I wanted to make sure that it wasn't a fluke, uh, we waited a month and then repeated the process again. Uh-huh. So a lot, of, a lot of data went went through, uh, and really interesting. Now I'm not an exercise physiologist, but I'm just I'm curious. Wouldn't they be more tired at the you know if they've already done this three times and now they're doing their last round? Wouldn't people tend to be more tired at that point? So how it works is, I took the the research and based off the research, after about five minutes, you should be fully recovered. I extended that, doubled it basically, to 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I did that for a couple of reasons. First off, it assures that the person is completely recovered. But second, it allows enough time for an acupuncture effect to occur. So the rest period uh, was deliberately chosen. I also chose 48 hours in between interventions to assure that the muscle was fully recovered before they did their next bout. And then when we redid the the second go-around, the month of rest was basically to assure that any training effect was nullified or, or as much nullified as possible between the two interventions. And that was interesting in and of itself because I started the study at the beginning of the trimester where everybody's chi was, was pretty pretty robust. And the second intervention, you can see there's just like this slog and you can almost feel the chi just being drained out of these poor individuals as they're going through the program. So, so you're talking about the end of three years of acupuncture school. Yes, I'm talking about and, the and end of three years. you're putting people through these paces. I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what you found. So what I found was with the beginning group, so people who had really not had a lot of exposure or any exposure in some cases to strength training, what I found was that the intervention that most affected or most positively enhanced their performance was actually the auricular. And from an exercise physiology standpoint, that makes sense. What you see in beginners who have not exercised before is that the change that occurs, while there is some change in strength, there's some improvement in strength, the primary reason that there's improvement in strength is because your neuromuscular pathways become more efficient. Mm -hmm. So it's not that your muscles have more power to them, it's that, your it's that the neural pathways are more efficient. Right. Your, your body becomes better at taking the signal and applying it to the muscles in a more consistent and appropriate uh, approach. So it's less of a shotgun and more of a, a laser-pointed approach. Mm -hmm. And auricular is interesting in that uh, it primarily works off of the neural system unlike the chi system that you would see with the meridian therapy intervention or the acupuncture intervention. So the fact that the modality that most affects the nerves 
is the one that is most positively perform- improving performance for the beginning group makes a ton of sense. So that was really interesting because you don't see that in the intermediate or the advanced group. Because they've already got those pathways trained out. They've already got those pathways trained out. They've done an exercise before. They've probably done this exact exercise before. And so those pathways are completely trained. The intermediate group, however, the meridian therapy intervention was the most significant. And what's interesting about the um, meridian therapy intervention was that I used distal points with that one. Whereas with the acupuncture one, I used very local points. Um, and I, I did that because I wanted to also see, you know, does it make a difference if you're bringing chi and blood directly to the joint itself that's being um, activated? Or is it more of a systemic response? And right. the interesting thing is, is that from an exercise physiology standpoint, my reasoning was is that the actual, like, move the blood and chi to the shoulder joint should have elicited the most response because you're clearing out stuff. You're bringing in all of the, the blood to the area so that the, the muscles are ready to go. You've cleared out the hydrogen ions and all of the byproduct by bringing blood into the area. So I was actually kind of surprised when I saw that the intermediate level, the, you know, the more distal systemic approach showed by far the the more response. You know, this is a really interesting point because so many people, especially if they're not if they have not had acupuncture or they're not really that familiar with it, they expect that needles are going to be put in the place where it hurts or the place you know, the, the problem area so to speak. And yet any anyone who studied Chinese medicine, acupuncturist in particular, and you know even savvy patients probably know at this point Using distal points is like getting a big old lever under a big old rock, you know, and with a small amount of influence, you can get a lot of work done. Absolutely. And I, I've seen that happen in recovery, but I wasn't prepared to see that in performance enhancement because it's such a small window of time. So I figured that there wouldn't be as big of a need to have as long of a lever. So I was, I was actually kind of surprised to see that. So that helped the intermediate group. It did. It helped the intermediate group uh, quite a bit. But then you get to the advanced group. And these were folks who had done a significant amount of, of training. And I, I do have a little interesting twist in this group in that uh, one of the participants actually had a shoulder injury at the time in her dominant arm. Mm-hmm. So I had her use her non-dominant hand for the procedure, for, for, the, for the protocol. And as a result, the auricular kind of bumps up a little bit more than you would think. But at the same time, it's her non-dominant arm. So it's possible that her neuromuscular pathways weren't quite as set in that mm-hmm. non-dominant arm. So there's a little bit of a skew. But with the, the advanced group, you see an increase in both the direct joint location acupuncture as well as the meridian therapy. And it's both of them are, are pretty substantial in their increases. With the advanced group, it was about, in the first round, roughly 
increase over average change. And with the Meridian therapy, it was 21% in the, the first round. And then the interesting thing, like I said, is in the second round, which is towards the end of the trimester, the acupuncture actually falls off quite a bit. And I, I really believe that the reason why is because there just wasn't as much chi in the area mm-hmm. because the Meridian test also just tanks quite a bit. So, I mean, the, the two the two groups that are most dependent on chi, there's not any chi around. Right. So you were, in a sense, dealing with people that were incredibly depleted. Yes. Yes, we were. So um, that's also really interesting. The other thing that showed up in not just the advanced group, but in a couple of the other participants is that the control dramatically increased in a couple of cases. Now, what you would expect was that your control would remain fairly consistent. It's not getting any intervention. You should be able to do roughly about the same number that you were able to do before. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing that I found was that in these instances where the control, the second set of the control was significantly higher than the first, those individuals had received some form of intervention with acupuncture in prior days. And I hadn't accounted for that. I hadn't accounted for an increased effect to the treatment of having acupuncture when I set up the study. Sounds like you could run this study again, ideally without acupuncture students, you know, and, contr- and can control for some of these variables. And, and that's, that's what I want to do in the, the future. I want to work with some folks who are uh, really versed in strength training. So you, training to failure is hard. I mean, you, you have to kind of push through some mental aspects of training to failure. And folks that train regularly with strength training are able to do that more effectively. But yeah, really look at how long is the effect of, of having acupuncture? What does that training effect last? Is it Does it push it out from, from 48 hours to maybe 72 hours? I don't know, but it'd be really interesting to find out. I hope you've enjoyed the first half of the show. Now it's time for a word from our sponsor. That would be you. You could support the effort here by popping over to everydayacupuncturepodcast.com and click on the link to support the show and leave a few dollars that will help to keep some inspiration in the teacup. You know, we run on only the finest oolong and poorer teas here at Everyday Acupuncture Podcast Central. No point in going all NPR pledge drive here to remind you that teas like that don't come cheaply. Just know that if you like the show, you can express your appreciation for these interviews with a small donation. As always, I love to get your feedback and ideas for future shows, so send those along too. Thanks again for listening, and now on to the second half of the show. Something that, that really catches my attention in this conversation is hearing about the sort of neural learning that goes on whenever we're trying something new, right? I mean, whether it's learning to do shoulder press or do a certain kind of swimming or any physical activity or even mental activity for that matter, right? It's getting the neural pathways laid down so that you don't have to think about what you're doing all the time is really important. It sounds like 
the auricular acupuncture really sped that process up. That's what the the research is kind of suggesting. It's suggesting that. Really makes me curious. I'm, I don't, I mean, I, I'm not a researcher. I'm more of a clinician. But it begs the question for me of, is there something about auricular acupuncture that could actually help people with learning anytime they're trying to improve their uh, neurological system? I think, honestly, I think that it can. I think that's probably one reason why it's so good with addiction is that you're, you're basically retraining your nerves to not want, to not crave those things. And the, granted, those nerves are within your brain, but still, they're, they're there. So, yeah, I actually do think that, that that's exactly what it's doing. And it's pretty interesting when you think about it. I hadn't thought about it from that perspective before. I do know that whenever I put needles into people's ears, they very easily and very quickly fall into a, a real state of quietude. I mean, the whole nervous system just kind of like goes offline and reboots itself. Right. And, and that might be, you know, especially in a beginner who's doing an activity, that might be what it needs. It might need to, to reboot. The interesting thing about neuromuscular pathways is that they we don't devise them in a way that's the most efficient we devise them in the way that works which has always been kind of demonstrated to me through my my previous training in how people walk and the reason why there are so many different gates is not because necessarily there's just that many different people but rather when that person was learning the body fell down and the body went, nope, that neuromuscular pathway doesn't work. Well, let's try a different one. Well, once they find one that's successful, they don't go, well, that one works, but let's see if we can find a new one. They're like, okay, we've got it. This is the one that we're going to use. So it might be that having the ability to reset the, the neuromuscular pathway allows the body to actually achieve a more efficient one because it doesn't ingrain the, the engram quite so quickly. Right. Wow, that's, that's an interesting. That would really be worth some, uh, some study. I'm thinking especially like rehabilitation from accidents, and especially if there's things like nerve damage. Potentially, yeah. I mean, the interesting thing about this, this study that I did is, is that it, and any good study will do this, is that it created so many more questions than it answered. So, yeah, it's, it's just, it's really fascinating how this one third year research project has has more or less kind of created a, a whole venue for me. Yeah, a whole set of questions. What are your thoughts for future research with this? Have you got a, a version two that's come to mind? Or are there other things that you want to take a look at? Well, I, there's a lot of things that I want to take a look at. I, one of the things that I want to take a look at is what if instead of doing the same shoulder with the direct acupuncture approach, what if I did the opposite shoulder, the non-working shoulder, uh, and allowed the person to leave those needles in while performing with the working shoulder? Or what if I used an ankle instead of a knee? Or, you know, there's, there's all kinds of really interesting ways to look at this. And I picked out the acupuncture one because with the other protocols that I used, those needles stayed in while they were doing the second repetition, the second set. So they had, needle, they had needles in their ears. They were doing the work. 
they had needles in their ears or they had tacks in their arm while they were doing the work. And obviously that did not happen with the acupuncture one. You know, those needles were pulled before they, they did that. So it would be interesting to see if, if that had a lasting effect as well, or, or if that changed or perhaps inadvertently skewed the data because there was a longer time that the, the needles were active. Well, and, and the needles were active as they were doing the motion as well. Correct. Yeah. And, and did that change the way that, that things kind of happened? So there's, there's that. The other thing is, is that, again, that training effect, what, what does that look like? How long is that? Nobody's ever looked at that. Nobody's ever even, I don't think, probably considered as to whether or not there's a increase in your training effect with acupuncture. It's always so, about so recovery. For, for people that are not familiar with that term, what does training effect mean? So training effect is once you do an intervention or once you do a an event, okay, there is a period of time that the recovery has to occur in order for you to perform at or at a higher level than you were before. And there's some really interesting research that came out of Russia when Russia was still an Eastern Bloc country that basically surrounded this whole concept. It's called periodization. And what it is, is it's based on Selle's adaptation to stress where how far, how much stress can a person occur, have before they can't bounce back? And is there a sweet spot where you can increase the stress and then have a reciprocal effect or a training effect? So the idea is to slowly improve someone and then have a decrease and then you're able to actually bounce that person higher than what their original homeostatic or their original training level was. So you can kind of bounce them off those plateaus. And that training effect might actually be adjusted and changed and even influenced through acupuncture. So it might be that you are able to, just like with any performance enhancing drug, you're able to perform at a higher intensity, a higher level, and thereby get through that plateau and create a new level of homeostasis, a new level of where your your baseline training is. So, yeah, it's just really interesting, and hopefully I explained that fairly well. well let me see if I understand this. So it, it sounds like I'm no weekend warrior for anything, but you know, I know that if I use, you know, if I use my body, if I use my muscles – I can use them more and better as time goes on. It sounds like for your more elite um, or professional athletes, there's ways of, I want to say, titrating the training so that the body recovers in ways where it can actually bounce way beyond the normal effect that you would get from doing a, a workout. Absolutely, but it, it doesn't have to just be elite athletes. Periodized training can be applied to weekend warriors just as effectively. Mm -hmm. So so tell us more about periodized training. What does it mean? I've heard of interval training. Is that the same thing? It's not. Periodized training is when you're setting up a, a training regimen so that you have different levels of workloads throughout 
the and you usually do them in, in month periods. So you'll have different levels of workloads throughout each week. You'll basically be trying to add more and more stress throughout the month. And then at the end of the month, you'll back way off and basically allow like a mini recovery week. And that mini recovery week basically tricks the body because you've told the body, okay, I'm going to make it harder. I'm going to make it harder. I'm going to make it harder. Okay. Now it's easier. So you've tricked the body into thinking, oh, well, I was supposed to work harder. This can't be how it's supposed to be. So I'm going to basically try to get to where I was, but your body actually overcompensates. It usually misses the mark a little bit. So you've actually bumped up past where you were at your hardest week at week three. So now week five, you're actually above where you were at week three. That's interesting. It is. Yeah, it's uh, it's extraordinarily effective. You'll see it a lot of times in like marathon training programs, for example, where you'll have your rest week or your recovery week. You'll see that built in and it usually occurs after a long run or a series of sprints. You see it in strength training where you'll have a recovery week where maybe you'll do a little bit lighter than you have been prior to. It shows up in a lot of sports. In fact, most of the professional sports that we see, those people use a training regimen that is based off of this research that came out of Eastern Bloc countries called periodization. Yes, I'm curious to see how you might fit acupuncture into that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could really increase the effect that occurs after that that rest period, you could potentially really bounce forward. So yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting as to, to what might be happening. It seems that athletes are always looking for some kind of competitive advantage, some way of getting a little bit more out of their performance and, and being able to do a little bit better. How can acupuncture help with this? Well, I mean, there's a lot of ways that acupuncture can help with it. But I think that the biggest thing is really understanding athletes. And you have to know that they will try just about anything. There's a really well-known survey uh, in sports that's known as the Goldman Dilemma. And basically, Bob Goldman asked a bunch of elite athletes in the 80s whether they would take a drug that would guarantee them a gold medal, but would also kill them within five years. And more than half of the athletes said yes. And when he repeated the survey biannually for the next decade, the results were always the same. About half the athletes would say yes. So it was interesting that it took until 2009 for somebody to actually ask non-athletes the same question. And in February of 2009, in the British Journal of Sports Medicine, they published the results of that study. And exactly two of the 250 people who were surveyed in Sydney, Australia, said that they would take a drug that would ensure both success and an early death. So athletes are really a uniquely driven. Getting them to buy into something that won't kill them is usually a, a really pretty easy job. But the bigger thing is, is that you actually are allowed to kind of reach those non-athlete type groups, the other 248 folks who would not be willing to take a drug to ensure success and early early death. So I think that's really where acupuncture allows 
people to get a hold of not just elite athletes, but all of those folks in between the, you know, weekend warrior and you're just really active people all the way to your elite athlete uh, in order to get that improvement. And I think that it's one of those modalities that while some folks might find it scary to be poked with a needle, it's a, it's a relatively easy sell. Well, and it beats death in five years. It beats death in five years, yes. And it's and it's not illegal. So they won't get busted. They are an athlete, you know, an elite athlete or even a college athlete. They won't get busted for consuming something that was on the banned substance list. So, yeah, it's. I think that's why you're seeing more and more of it. It shows up in uh, the Olympics now. You see it being done. You see it in the NFL. Um, it's, it's pervasive in the NFL at the moment. So... Uh, yeah, I think that it, it's really starting to grab a hold with athletes uh, and they're really understanding that, hey, this can have a significant effect in my recovery. And what I want to show is not only can it have a significantly effect, a significant effect in your recovery, but it can have a really outstanding effect in your training. Yeah, and performance. Absolutely. And, uh, and like you were saying, athletes are very, very tuned into what helps. And, and they're testing things all the time. Absolutely. They will ingest, inject, seek out gurus, adopt fad diets, you name it, uh, in the quest to win. They will, they will seek it out. Any other questions that came up for you in doing this research? Areas that you'd like to look into further or, or conundrums or curiosities that, uh, that you'd like to get sorted out? Like you said, it, it raises more questions than gives you answers. Oh, it, it absolutely does. Uh, for starters, were these results based on the biases of my classmates, even though I know they did their very best to not be biased while they were doing this? You can't blind an acupuncture student. It's, it's just not possible. Not possible. They know what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, they know why you're putting that distal point in. There, there's no, they know what that point does intimately. Will this, will these same results show up in somebody who doesn't know that? I mean, one of the interesting things was, is that I also knew the biases of these students. And sometimes you would see that when they were getting the meridian therapy and they were biased towards Japanese style interventions, they would increase. What was that, uh, you know, psychological, psychological effect, or was it actually a physiological effect? Yeah. It sounds like you need a group of high school students to do this on. Well, yeah, high school students are a little bit more challenging to get consent on, but uh, maybe a group of college students would yeah. would be, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. So, and and again, like I said, does it make a difference as to if you're using more of a balanced style where you're going across to the other side or perhaps to the opposite ankle? You know, does that change things? Does it matter if you increase the rest even more, or what if you decrease the rest? What if instead of having a whole two days between bouts, you only had a day between bouts. What does that look like? Well, it sounds like you have enough to keep you busy for the next couple of few years at least. <laughs> I um, think so, yeah. Now, you're located in Tacoma, right? I am. You've got your practice there. Tell us just a little bit about your practice and, and what you do there and how people could find you if they're interested in, uh, in getting in touch with you. Sure. I am basically, I, I specialize in, this is going to be a shock, sports medicine. I am shocked. 
Yeah, I know, right? So that's that's kind of my niche group. I work with a lot of folks who are who may not consider themselves selves athletes in the traditional sense, but folks who spend a lot of time abusing their body in an active kind of way. So in my world, it's really not that much different than an athlete, uh, even if they don't want to claim the word athlete. Mm-hmm. And then I, I do a lot of twainan, shiatsu, and body work along with that, with the acupuncture in order to help that. Uh, so that's kind of my niche, but I treat anybody who walks through the door. If, if I'm able to help them, I will. And if not, then, you know, I'll find somebody who can. So there's that. As far as reaching me, my website is www.compassacu.com. I hope to be publishing this study in the near future. I'm actually running the statistics on it soon. Um, So once that gets published, then uh, that will be up on the website. But for right now, there's, there's no mention of it. Okay. Well, maybe once it gets published, we can put a link to that on the uh, show notes page as well. Anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners before we wind this down? Well, you know, this was this was a lot of fun, and I really appreciate you taking the time to to talk to somebody who is really right out of school and really getting started in this amazing medicine. And I appreciate the the fact that you were uh, open to to letting somebody as new as me, as green as me, talk about this. You've got some pretty interesting stuff here, and I'm I'm all about interesting stuff. Well, good luck with your new practice. Thank you so much, Michael. I really appreciate it. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of Everyday Acupuncture Podcast. If so, please take a moment and visit www.everydayacupuncturepodcast.com where you can click on the review on iTunes button to rate and review the show. Doing this helps other people to find the show. Also, you can express your appreciation by supporting the show with a donation. Thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in again next time. 